Welcome to episode number 84 of the Marine Layer podcast. We welcome on Jeff Baker of the Seattle Times. You know him for his crack in writing, but he's also well-versed in the sports business world and a former Mariners beat writer himself. The timing worked out really well to chat about some RSN stuff and root sports with Jeff, so we're happy he was able to take some time to join us. We'll also take a look at a couple of players made available by the Twins, Max Kepler and Jorge Polanco, and see if they would fit with the M's. Here's your reminder before we start the show that if you're listening on our audio platforms, make sure to follow the show, download the episode, leave us a five-star review. The reviews and the downloads always help us out. So wherever you get your audio podcasts, go and do that. Like, comment, subscribe on YouTube where we do the full video podcast. Go watch us over there and follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube Shorts, at Marine Layer Pod. Let's get it rolling. And we welcome you to this episode of the Marine Layer Podcast, part of the Just Baseball Podcast Network, recording here on Tuesday afternoon, December 19th. Note the date, Lyle, because I have a stat for you, a very specific stat. The offseason in Major League Baseball has been going on for exactly 49 days now, and your Seattle Mariners have acquired one external big league player to add on to their roster for next season. In a crucial offseason of additions, Lyle, it seems like we do this every week now, but 49 days in, there's been one player. Are you not entertained? <laughs> I'm not. We keep pushing these episodes back farther and farther and recording later and later, all out of love, of course, but just so we have time to react to stuff. It has really been all for naught. We, I mean, we could have recorded all these episodes on Sunday, Lyle. We should start the count, honestly, moving forward with these episodes. So we're at 49 days. Let's just start the count every Wednesday and Friday episode. We're, we're at 51 days. We're at 56 days. We're, we're just going to keep going because we're waiting here. Should we set an over-under? Yeah. What do you want to set it at? I have a hard time seeing it go past 60. So 60 would be before the new year. So, hmm, man. So I'll say 59 and a half. Is that good? I like that. I like that over under. Now, what do some of the soon to be ex Mariners feel about that? Because the other thing we were going to touch on before we really dove into the show was that Paul Seawald was on foul territory this week and he talked about the golf trip he had with some of his old Mariners teammates over this offseason. And he's like, yeah, I was golfing with some guys. Some of my former teammates and soon to be some former or soon to be some ex Mariners. He put that right on foul territory through a very, very not so, not so humble or not, sorry, not, not humbles. That's not the right word. A very, not, very not so slight. Yeah. Not so slight shade, piece of shade at the Mariners organization, which he has every right to do. You but th you think he was sitting on that? It felt like he was trying to cook up something with that statement. I don't know, because that totally just came out of left field. They were kind of just asking, oh, did you? what have you done this offseason? It looked like, oh, they, they asked, have you spent more time with the, with the Mariners guys or the Diamondbacks guys? And yeah, that one was just right out of Paul Seatwald's mouth, just kind of right out of nowhere. And it's like, well, I think he, I think he had some things to say. And I'll say this, the, the guys he's mentioning that, he means soon to be ex Mariners. I will say in that photo that Paul Seawald took golfing with some of the Mariners guys, there's still only three current Mariners. 
in that photo. And it's Cal Raleigh, it's Matt Brash, and it's George Kirby. Think those of what three, you will. <laughs> yeah, and those are three kind of important guys. This is what happens, though. You know what happens when you put together an uninspiring offseason and get a lot of people mad? You're going to – that reaction triggers down to a lot of different places. And guess what? The words of your friends and your good friends are going to start to rain very loud in people's ears. So if Paul Seawald's saying certain things that may very well be justified to Matt Brash, to George Kirby, and to Cal Raleigh, like that might be very, very much between their ears right now about what happened to Seawald. I'm not going to spoil too much of our conversation with Jeff Baker, but it the, with those words coming out of Paul Seawald's mouth, I don't think Jeff necessarily disagreed with that sentiment of what the what the future would look like. But we'll get into that a little bit more as we get closer. Paul, not totally out of left field. No, he wasn't. But then both our interview with Jeff and what Seawald said, it kind of contradicts this report that the Mariners are the most interested team in Jorge Soler, which is our last piece of housekeeping thing here. Because again, like what's what's the story been all off season? It's been that, well, they're not going to do anything and they're saving money because of all the root sports stuff. But there's all of a sudden this report out there saying they're very tied to, to Jorge Soler, which would be great as we've talked about, but it, it doesn't really fit the narrative of what ownership has tried to push out this winter. We want to say we're in a results-based business, and that, that's where I think I'm going to stand on this. I'm going to wait to see a result of this, and I'm, I'm just going to tie this around. What, what does interested mean? Have they talked numbers? Have they talked years? Have they talked future commitments? Have they talked about what Jorge Soler's role would look like on the team? Like, What does that mean? If they're the most interested team, or along the lines of how that tweet was put out, it makes it sound like there's at least been some... At least, at least discussion, if not serious discussion. Now, again, it could be stretching the truth. Nobody knows except the sources what the level of interest is. You're right. But they just made it sound like when that tweet was put out that maybe there's something there. Do you know what that could be? It could literally just be like agent negotiating that they want Solaire to go to a different team. I don't even want to be a pessimist here, but if you're an opposing team, let's say you're second in the Jorge Solaire sweepstakes, wouldn't you want to leak something out there that another team has been having these fantastic conversations with Jorge Solaire just to make the other team? Oh, I think we should put in a little bit more effort in this case, right? Yeah, that's probably fair. I. Yeah. And, and for all we know, it could be the same level of interest as that tweet last year saying how the Mariners checked in on Trey Turner. So yeah. <laughs> great. Checked in. Trey, what's your price? Oh, it starts with a three. OK, nice talking to you. As they say on Shark Tank, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> and also, let's consider the source, dog. What? You don't you don't trust the source of. It was John Morosi who tweeted that, right? No, no, no. It wasn't. It so it wasn't one of the big national reporters. It was. I'd have to find. I'll have to find the tweet. But it was. It was not one of the. It was not one of those guys. It wasn't Morosi. Here, okay. I, I've got it right here. The the guy who tweeted it out uh, yesterday was Francis Romero. Okay, so not Morosi. You know what I've come to realize this off season? Whenever John Morosi tweets, I'm just going to scroll past it. I might not want to read it. I'm just going to scroll past it. He has tweeted <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and it it is very much along the lines of interest and checked in on. And I, I, he, I believe, was the one who tweeted that the Mariners checked in on Trey Turner last offseason. 
His track record's not has not been very good this offseason. No, it's been a tough offseason for John Morosi. And the thing about him is he got the Teoscar Hernandez thing right last year. He was a few days ahead of everybody else with the Mariners and Teo. So for a while, that held over, where especially early in the offseason when he was saying, oh, the Mariners are linked to certain people, you'd see some response of things along the lines of, oh, well, Morosi, he's pretty plugged in with the Mariners. He knew about the Teoscar Hernandez thing. What do we know here? And now the narrative here in mid to late December is John Morosi has tweeted every single person linked to be linked to interest in the Seattle Mariners so, or the Mariners linked to having interest in every single free agent. So now people are like, yeah, I think this guy's tweeting just tweet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got content to fill. I mean, this is a guy who went on MLB Network and said it, it wasn't like direct interest in Yamamoto, but. You know, considering some of the numbers thrown out there for Yamamoto and some of the stuff we're hearing on the contrary, I'm like, where does he get this? <laughs> <laughs> the Mariners maybe made one phone call and say, hey, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Hey, Ichiro we, played here. It's like, or they say, hey, we really like what you can do. His agent says, our our starting point is 250 million bucks and Jerry hangs up the phone he's like well i wish ownership would give me the reins to do that however this is where the conversation ends here are two guys Lyle in our first segment here today that are available we have two kind of matching franchises here dog that could do a transaction here as we propose in this episode the Twins are doing much what the Mariners are doing this offseason. They're trying to shed payroll. They've lost, I believe, their Bally Sports deal, and they're trying to shed 20 to $25 million off their payroll. And they're listing two soon-to-be free agents in Max Kepler and Jorge Polanco as casualties of that. Both of them cost around $10 million each. And again, both are free agents after the 2024 season. Let's start with Max Kepler. I think he's the favorite among both of us. I think he's the better defender of the two. He's an outfielder. You have a need in the outfield right now. And he's coming off his best offensive season of his career. So, Lyle, what do you think of the German Max Kepler? Does he fit on the Mariners? He does because they need outfielders. As we've said, the corner outfield spots right now are totally up in the air. And Kepler is not just a proven big leaguer, but a big leaguer who has had a track record of some success. Now, he's not going to be the flashy guy that you could go out and get. He's not Randy Rosarena, but he he would help the lineup. What do we say back when we highlighted Lourdes Gurriel, who, by the way, is now off the board? We said, if Lourdes Gurriel is about the third best bat they'd sign all winter, we'd say, great, sign us up for that. That's about how I feel about Max Kepler. Now, it's probably not going to happen now as we've seen the way this offseason has gone. But if it was to go our way, I would say if Max Kepler was the third best bat they signed all winter, great, sign us up. His savant page was really good this past year. He hit the ball very hard. You mentioned it was his best offensive year. 24% above league average as a hitter. He does have some power. And he doesn't look like the world's greatest defender. Just off like your first look. But he does play good defense in the corner outfield spots. He can really defend out there so if you want to take all those things into account along with the fact he shouldn't cost a whole ton in a trade yeah I'd be interested again this is not the flashy move I don't think this is going to inspire world series confidence into the fan base but it would be a move that makes him better 
It's not the flashy move, but it, it definitely is a move that makes you better given what the Mariners have in the outfield. He made a significant emphasis this past season to hit the ball a lot harder. He used to be a guy who would make a point to walk over 10% of the time, and then he'd keep his strikeout rate well below 20%. Well, this past season, he essentially sold out for a little bit more power, and it benefited his offense. As we mentioned, he did have a, a, a one of his better WRC pluses of his of his career, 124. And more importantly, he did it outside of the juiced ball season. He's really only had two good offensive seasons, and one of them was 2019. And for some of these guys, you can just kind of throw 2019 out the door, like Max Kepler, who hit 36 home runs in 2019. You're like, Max Kepler hit 36 home runs? Yeah, maybe there was something up with the ball there, Rob. <laughs> Anyways, but he made an emphasis. He he hit the ball harder. He had better expected numbers this past season than he did in 2019, and it was by a pretty significant margin, too. And he, it, you have all that. On top of the fact he doesn't have the Teoscar Hernandez strikeout problems or the Teoscar Hernandez walk problems. Like his quote unquote down walk years are 9%. Like you take that, that's still above league average. Oh, you 100% take it. I will say when he hit the 36 bombs in 2019, that was part of that Twins team that was just mashing homers left and right. You know what Mitch Garver did that year? The guy hit 31 bombs in just over 90 games played. Like talk about a juice ball. But there was nothing wrong, Lyle. Nothing was up with the ball. No, no. They didn't do anything. And then, oh, home runs magically went down. I'm sure it was a coincidence. The only thing about Kepler is, again, we talked about he's really only had two good offensive seasons. He had one other year where his WRC Plus was just under 110, which is a fine year offensively. It's not the world's greatest season, but it's not. Again, it was above average. But he also has some years where he's really struggled. And when we say struggled, his WRC plus sits in the 90 to 95-ish range, which is not great. That's not what the Mariners would be signing up for. However, we will say if Max Kepler came to Seattle and put up a 95 WRC plus, that is a lot better than what AJ Pollock did. So in some ways, it's an upgrade. It's just the bar's not set very high when you're looking at it that way. And he's not going to cost that much. He really won't. He's plus 30 with one year of control. And the Mariners would not probably give him a contract beyond. I, I doubt it. I, I really doubt they would give him a contract beyond next season if they were going to trade for him. So they would, the trade pra- trade package would be appropriate for that. So th- there's really, like, if he gives you a 95 WRC plus, the capital you gave up for that really doesn't, really isn't that bad. What do you think they give up? Because it's certainly not one of the young arms. And, and by that, we mean Wu or Miller. Honestly, I don't even think it would cost Emerson Hancock because that's still a starting pitcher who's pitched in the big leagues with six years of control. I don't think that's what the Twins would get back for Max Kepler. I think you're getting some guys deeper into their pipeline out of the minor league system for him, or maybe like a fringe big league, or maybe, I don't know, Cade Marlowe. The Twins do need pitching because they lost Maeda and Sonny Gray in this offseason. So if they were going to stick to their guns in pitching, like you said, the Mariners are not going to offer big league pitching. They would they're going to offer pitching. I mean, they might just go way down in their minor league system and, and trade a trade a, a lottery pick, like a, a, a trade a, a lottery chip. But for if, they, if they, you're like, hey, you want upside, here's some upside. Here's Cole Phillips. Have Cole Phillips if you want. If you want a, a true, like, 
like, hey, he could work out for you really well in like five seasons. But the Mariners are not going to trade big league pitching for Max Kepler because I really just don't think Max Kepler's worth that much as productive as he is as a hitter. And what's really odd about Max Kepler's profile is he's only worth about in his peak seasons about two and a half wins, which when you're like, okay, so that must mean he's a uh, that must mean he's a bad defender. No, he's graded out plus actually in all three all three outfield spots. Well, he's got some holes in his offensive game. Well, when he clicks, not really. He doesn't really have issues there. If there's one place you could poke a hole in, he was a dog shit base runner this year. I mean, terrible. So in that case, I mean, you really wouldn't be that much change from Teoscar Hernandez. I was going to say, he'd fit right in with this whole team. (laughs) There we go. They could all learn together. Yeah. I don't think this second guy would cost all that much in a trade package either. Before we get to that guy, let's hear a quick word from our friends over at Pagotch's Pub 85. That's Pagotch's Pub 85 in Kirkland. It's one of our favorite places to go to hang out with our friends, to eat some food, drink some great drinks and watch the games. It's a great spot to go watch all the football games going on right now. We know December is winding down, meaning the NFL season's getting more and more juicy as every week goes on. We got the college football playoff coming up. We got bowl season coming up. You can sit, hang out at a great spot with your friends, watch the games there. And if you pick the key hours, you can get some really good deals on some drinks. What are they? It's Monday through Friday from 2 to 6 p.m. The happy hours over at Pagotcha's Pub 85, and it includes $3 domestic beers, $4 Manny's Blue Moons, $4 Mac and Jacks, $4 Wells, and $4 House Wines. Try some of that, any of those drinks you might desire. Try some of their great pizza. Go hang out with your friends over at Pagotcha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. Second guy, also a Minnesota twin, Jorge Polanco, guy who would fit some infield needs for this team, also one year left on his contract. How do you view him? Well, I view him, you're going to get a good amount of power with him if you do trade for him. He he is going to be someone who brings thump into your infield. And I think that's that's probably where you got to set it at because he's not going to come in and be an all-world defender in the infield. He's been a pretty poor defender for his career. But with one year of control at $10.5 million, if you're trying to dig into his offense and you can look past the strikeout trends a little bit from last season, I think he'd be a, a true impact bat on in this lineup. Would he? Is he my preferred of these two? Absolutely not. I I would. I told you at the beginning, 100% take Max Kepler over him. But his quality of contact is good. His exit velocities are fine. But he barrels the ball a lot and he lifts it a lot. He's made much more of an emphasis in the last couple of seasons to do that, as well as getting on base a whole lot more, which they could also use on that infield. That walk rate the last two seasons for Polanco has been very, very good. And the Mariners want to think that they'd be getting Polanco on a little bit of a discount. He missed a lot of time last year with hamstring injuries and a knee injury that they think perhaps affected his season. And in in fact, let his strikeout rate balloon up a little bit, which has actually been one of his strengths for his career. So they, I mean, the price would be very similar of Max Kepler for Jorge Polanco. You're you're buying, uh, you're buying probably a little bit more upside with Polanco and expecting that he will have a very good offensive season somewhere in the middle of your lineup. Maybe not smack in the middle, but maybe in the back half of your lineup, and could be a very very solid contributor for a not very high price. Yeah, maybe a guy out of out of the sixth spot, which you look at his strikeouts, if you really believe injuries played into that, and you take out 2020, sorry, 2023, where 
okay, he struck out more than he has in his career, but it wasn't astronomical. He struck out about 25% of the time, which is a lot less than a lot of guys on this team were doing last year. Other than that, he's never eclipsed the 20% mark in any full season he's played in in the big league. This is not a guy that strikes out a lot. In a lot of ways, he fits what the Mariners would be looking for, combined with the power, combined with the ability to play infield. The only caveat here is, like you mentioned, he's just not a very good defender. But there are things to like about Polanco, and if you need offense and a guy that's not going to strike out a ton, you could fit those needs. He's consistent four seasons in a row of a 118 WRC+. There's not a guy on the Mariners roster who's done that. No, no, not at all. And, like, again, he didn't have the greatest 2020, but what do we say? We throw that out the window for just about every guy. Other than that, most of his career, he has been pretty consistent at the plate, and consistency is something this team needs very badly on the offensive side of the ball. And yeah, he has some power. You don't find that many second basemen with real power. Like Jorge Polanco's had a year in his career where he popped 33 home runs. That's pretty good. So that was, and that was just a year ago too, in 22. So I would, I would sign up for that guy. It would probably mean you swing Rojas over to third and you split time with Urias there. Instead of those two platooning at second base, you platoon at third and then you have Polanco play second base. But there, there's a way to work that out and improve your offense if you were to be interested in Polanco. So I think they should be interested in both guys. I'm probably with you that I prefer Kepler, but my ears are open to either. And Kepler's got a clear spot now. Like there are wide open spots for Kepler to play every single day in the outfield. Polanco is a guy you go for if you truly don't think Ryan Bliss should be playing in the big leagues this season. Flat out. They've talked quite they've talked quite a lot about how they are expecting Ryan Bliss to be a factor in this 2024 season at the big league level. But there's no spot for Ryan Bliss if you trade for Jorge Polanco because Ryan Bliss does not play shortstop, not at the big league level, and he's not going to play third base at the big league level either. He's going to be a second baseman when he's, when he's in the big leagues. And Polanco's good defensive position is at second base. It's not at short and it's not at third. He's been a very subpar defender in his career on the left side of the infield, so you probably want to keep him on the right side. And that $10.5 million for Polanco, for that offense you're going to get, it's really not that much money, not for some of the numbers we've seen in this offseason. And Bliss might get up midseason. I, I don't think he's going to be on the team opening day. I just don't. I think he struggled in Tacoma a little bit. I think he still needs some time to develop. But he could be up mid-season, and if that happens, you figure it out then. Because if he's truly ready, that's a good thing. But yes, I I think you'd make this trade on the idea that Ryan Bliss is not going to start the year on the opening day roster, which is what I'd figure anyway. I think think he'll spend some more time down in Tacoma before he gets up to the show. But hey, you you want to throw out some optimism. Polanco's another guy with only one year left on his deal. Is it a one-year stopgap for Munitaka Murakami? You want to push that narrative? Do you, do you want to push it a little bit further? Do you want to listen to, to our Jeff Baker interview first? No, I don't, because after people listen to that, they're going to say, wow, what the hell are you talking about, Munitaka Murakami? They're not going to be, they're not even going to give him a fraction of the money he's going to be looking for. Could we offer him Root Sports? He could be no. the sole owner. That sounds great. If he's Big gonna upside bring... by. Yeah. Hey, put it as a clause in his contract. They say, listen, listen. If Murakami hits 40-plus bombs here at T-Mobile Park, you get full ownership stake in Root Sports. Again, there's there's escalators in the contract. Yeah, escalators in the contract, and think of it as a growing investment. It goes nowhere but up. Yes, I like that idea. They need somebody to sell Root Sports to. 
And they yeah. also seem to be unwilling to put talent on the field. What if you just combine the best of both worlds? You offer it to you offer it to a player, and if he plays well, stake just goes up. Team plays better, everybody wins. I like your thinking, Lau. We let's let's fly over to Japan. Uh, we'll vlog the whole thing. We'll do some content for the podcast. We'll bring that to Murakami's people, and we'll we'll see how the idea resonates. That sounds great. Listen, I don't know who else is going to be offering him ownership in a regional sports network deal or a TV deal. So. Listen, listen, Murakami, you're, you're not getting a better deal than that. So you might as well take it. And don't ask if we have the, uh, the legal authority to dish out either the Mariners money or Root Sports. To just don't ask that. Just trust us. I think you could trust us. Before we get to this interview with Jeff Baker, let's hear a word from BetterHelp. Is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Regardless if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or a human who lives in this world who's going through a hard time, therapy can give you the tools to approach your life in a very different way. And that's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible, and this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be really hard, especially when you're limited to options in your area. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you with a professional therapist in as little as a few days. It's easy to sign up and get matched by a therapist with a therapist. There's a link in our description. It's betterhelp.com slash marine layer pod. That's better H-E-L-P.com slash marine layer pod. Clicking that link helps support this podcast, but also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp so you can connect with a therapist and see if it helps you. So if you're struggling, consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Click the link in the description or visit betterhelp.com slash marine layer pod. I'm glad that ad was placed there. Because something I took away from this conversation with Jeff Baker is that after reading what Jeff has written about the Kraken and their television struggles and what Ryan and Adam, Ryan Davish and Adam Jude wrote about this week in the Seattle Times about the Mariners' ownership of Root Sports, Jeff echoed a very ominous dark cloud over the future of the finances of the franchise and over the future of Root Sports as well. There are some very damning things he said. So the reason we had Jeff on this week is because what has been the biggest story, unfortunately, of this Mariners offseason, it's the fact that their regional sports network is falling apart, and as a result, they're not spending money. Jeff seems to understand the intricacies of all this RSN stuff with Root Sports about as well as anybody in the market. Like He's written some great stories on it. He seems to go in detail on it. So we said, look, let's have him on. And he gave some very detailed outlines of what this will look like going forward and what it means right now for the team. So he was very, very informative and we learned a lot listening to him, but we would, we're going to opt. We're going to warn you here and warn you here to proceed with caution, because if you want to keep your positive outlook of the Mariners going forward, we would probably advise you to ease off listening to this interview. It might not be what you want to hear. And I just want to remind people, if, if you forgot, Jeff covered the Mariners, as recently as 2013 and wrote a lot about their eventual acquisition of Root Sports. I think before then it was Fox Sports Northwest and their regional sports network. So like he know he knows this stuff and the potential money-making aspect of all of it and for how it's sort of unraveled here over the last few weeks or month or year or so. And 
not looking good. Okay, so we're not going to keep you any longer. Let's get to our interview now with Jeff Baker. All right, we welcome on Jeff Baker, the Kraken writer for the Seattle Times. He's also an author, a sports enterprise, and investigative reporter. Jeff, we appreciate you taking some time to hop on here with us today. Wanted to start out with one of your, at, towards the tail end of your your beat writing career, covering the Mariners with the Seattle Times before shifting into more of your current role in, in investigative reporting and, and eventually writing about hockey as well, where we were going back and reading a story you did about the front office dysfunction for the Mariners back in 2013 with Eric Wedge and Jack Z and rereading some of those clips and in that article getting ready for this interview. I'm like, wow, I mean, people should have been just over the moon pissed about this. And here we are 10 years later and people seemingly are more pissed than they've ever been about the Mariners and reading some of your stuff back 10 years ago, Jeff, I'm shocked that did not top it. Well, I mean, you know, people should have paid more attention 10, 15 years ago. I'm kidding. I'm kidding about that. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I think, I think what's happened since is the fans have had another decade. I mean, look, hindsight's always 2020, right? Um, you know, a lot of the stuff we were writing about the team back in, let's say 2009, 2010, 11, um, and I, I would say, you know, in all fairness, looking back, some of it was a little ahead of its time uh, in anticipating what was going to happen with this franchise. Uh, I, I mean, it, you know, look, it didn't take an expert in economics to realize that the Mariners were, were not uh, spending as liberally as some franchises in baseball. And let's face it, there's no there's no hard salary cap in baseball. Right. So. The, the object is really to spend whatever it takes to win. And in the Mariners' case, they weren't spending enough. You know, you'd have people arguing, well, the Oakland A's, they, they spent far less with Billy Bean and they were able to do far more. Well, that's great, but these are the Mariners. They're not Billy Bean. They're not the Oakland A's. Uh, the Mariners, for years, had problems, had, had struggles developing young talent and identifying young talent to begin with and then developing it afterwards. That was tough. And so what do you do? What's the one thing you can do in baseball if you're a franchise that doesn't necessarily develop the best young crop of talent? Well, New York Yankees did it for years. Just spend your way out of trouble. And the Mariners, you know, they they, they would spend money uh, relatively, though, to other teams and relatively to some of the resources at their disposal. And, and this is back when I was covering them. Uh, they, they weren't always doing that. In fact, sometimes they were spending far less than they were capable of spending. And you know, I, I think people were willing back then, the fans I'm talking about were willing to, and some media members were willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, they said, hey, they're, they're doing it the right way. They're, they're drafting young, they're going young, uh, going cheaper, which is great. But, you know, eventually you have to bear fruit with that. You have to get results. Pro sports are a results oriented business. And the reason they are is because you're asking people to pay full freight to see your team, whether they're developing young players or whether they're putting superstars on the field to try to actually win something, you're, you're still paying the same amount for your tickets. You're still paying full price. And so it has to be a results-oriented business. It can't always be about the process. And I think it took people um, some time to, 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 to figure that part out. I, I like to call it the market maturing a little bit, the sports market here in Seattle maturing a little bit over the past decade, not just in baseball and other sports as well where people sort of realized that they sort of came to that conclusion on their own. And they said, you know, you know, why aren't all other markets waiting 
20, 30, 50 years to get major pro sports championships. They're not in some cases. Uh, it's okay to push a little harder. It's okay to demand a little bit more. And I think we've seen that with the baseball team now, uh, especially the baseball team over the last 10 years. I mean, now it's fashionable to call them out for not spending money. Uh, back when I was doing it, it was very controversial at the time. And, and I think the sports fans have now had 10 more years in hindsight to see where things have go, are going. To, they've seen certain patterns. And they're at the point now where they've hit their saturation with the Mariners. They, they, they don't want to hear any more excuses uh, about why they can't spend, why they can't go for it. Uh, you know, they've waited. They've put in the waiting time. And now, even though the Mariners probably have a, a bit of a legitimate excuse for, for, for putting the brakes on and for being a little more fiscally conservative, the fans don't want to hear it because they've heard it now going on, you know, past the 10, 15 years ago when I was writing about it. I mean, they've heard about it going on a quarter century and, and they still have nothing to show for it. And I think here we are 10 years later. And I think that's why things are at the boiling point that they're at. I don't think anything's changed all that drastically, but I think that, that the fans patient level patience level for it has changed. Part of the reason we wanted to have you on here is you two weeks ago wrote about the Kraken and their future on Root Sports and how the viewership has been very flat for them in their now third year of existence and playing primarily on Root Sports and now tucked away on the highest tier of of cable packages. And you suggested, hey, if they really want to make this work, they should broadcast all their games for free. They should, if they get the opportunity, leave their Root Sports deal and then go for free and essentially just try and reach as many people as possible. How does that affect the Mariners and in, in their financials with how Root operates? Because now, I, I would imagine now they're not getting their money's worth on Root for those Kraken broadcasts. Well, I mean, it, it depends how you define, you know, how does it affect them? And it also depends on how much longer you think this regional sports network has to survive. Uh, look, obviously, if you take the Kraken off and you take the Port- Portland Trailblazers off as well, uh, then you're going to be down to one entity, basically, which is the Mariners and, and you know, some some secondary football being played out in, in, in Idaho and Montana and those places. I mean, that that's that's not what you would call a prime prime content for any regional sports network. Uh, I, I thought, you know, when the Kraken came on board and the Blazers as well, it made root sports a lot more interesting as a destination for viewers to go to. Uh, so you lose those. It's, it's obviously taking away from it. That said, there's the bottom line consideration. And look, I had a very different opinion about this a year ago today. Uh, you know, back then it looked like RSNs might have another three to five years to run before they would really start to be where they're at right now. Um, and I told fans, I, I wrote a column saying, look, like the future's in your hands. If you don't want to watch pro sports, you don't want to pay for it. I mean, somebody's got to pay for it because all these salaries aren't going away. So, so you got to make up your mind. You know, if you don't, if, if you want to see your team, you're going to have to pay the freight. The thing is, a couple of weeks after that is when we first saw the bankruptcy start to happen. We first saw Warner Brothers Discovery walk away from all their RSN commitments, including, you know, this one now that they're a minority stakeholder in with the Mariners. And so that changed the ball game dramatically. That accelerated the timeline for the death of the regional sports network model. And so here we are today. And and so if you're the Mariners and you want to bleed as little money as possible, you know you're going to be bleeding money. Here. There's no there's no two ways about it. But do you want to be gushing that money out into the street? And so, you know, let's say they're paying anywhere from 15 to 30 million a year. That's the going rate for NHL teams. I'm told that the Kraken, they're paying the Kraken somewhere up in the neighborhood of $20 million. You know, it might be give or take a couple million. But but that's a lot of money to spend to get the ratings that you're pulling in right now, which is something like a 
rating for, for, for the Kraken. Um, you know, that, that's, not, that's not giving you bang for your buck if you're the Mariners. And so what's changed dramatically now from, you know, where my opinion was a year ago is the Mariners might be willing to let these guys out of their contract. They, they, they got two more years left to run. And honestly, from what I'm hearing on the street, that, that's exactly the direction things are going to head in. Uh, they're very likely to head in now, especially with the Blazers as well. That situation's not going great down in Portland. Um, and so the Mariners, you're spending all this money to get ratings that aren't worth the money. Uh, why would you keep these teams around for, for two two more years in the Kraken's case when you know it's not going to get any better because Comcast just put them on the highest tier? So you're still going to be losing viewers. You're not going to be gaining that. The operative, what, what Comcast did, Comcast didn't tell the Mariners anything they didn't already know and Xfinity hiked the prices to watch read sports. The Mariners knew this was heading in this direction a year ago. That's why Shohei Otani was never going to the Mariners. Doesn't matter if the crowd was chanting for him at the All Star game. That made for a nice little feel good story. Uh, made for you know some nice things to talk about, but it, it had no foundation in reality. He was never coming to Seattle. The Mariners knew this was going to happen with their network a year plus ago, um, and that they were going to be in this situation. They've been trying to figure out ways out of it. So the last thing you're going to do is go throw five seven hundred million dollars at a player uh, for the next ten years when you don't know what's happening with your, your big financial asset. And so. So that was off the table. And so here we are now. Uh, they know that what they learned in September with Comcast Xfinity was that any chance they had of growing those Kraken numbers through, you know, through, through more popularity with the hockey team through the playoff run last year, that's out the window because they're going to lose readers, uh, viewers in, in any case. And so you're at that situation now. If you're, if you're the Mariners, why would you want to keep the Kraken on your airwaves? And so the Kraken, that's, that's a chance for them to get out and do this kind of thing, this free TV that other um, that other hockey teams have tried. The Vegas Golden Knights are doing it. The Arizona Coyotes are doing it. And both of them report a lot of success uh, in their initial efforts. And then if you're the Kraken, it's not only about the money. You know, you can try to break even on that $20 million, try to get it somewhere close to that uh, a year in, in, in selling ads with, through your partners over the free, uh, the free airwaves. But the bigger thing is you're going to grow your viewers. You're going to grow your fan base. And, uh, you know, the Kraken needs some more fans. They need people who are going to be willing to come and, and, and pay for their tickets and fill their arenas and, uh, you know, attract bigger sponsorships for the team. And so um, now that's an option for them. A year ago, it wasn't an option because they still had two and a half years to go on a five-year deal. But if you're if your RSN's willing to let you out of that deal, which, you know, this is what I'm hearing on the street, that, that the Mariners are going to be very inclined, are, are, are going to be very persuaded to kind of look at that route going forward because uh yeah it's a lot of money to be spending for the ratings that they're pulling in is part of that reason because they also now don't want to foot the operational costs for two separate sports i mean that that's possible look i'm not sitting in on the mariners ownership meetings with them um but you know and and this goes back to when they bought the rsn 10 years ago i remember chuck armstrong telling me at one point you know, it goes, everybody thinks it's very easy to just flip a switch and, and build your own TV network. He goes, it's not. You know, he said, like, we're not in the television business. Uh, you know, if it was easy to run a network, you would be doing it. I would be doing it. We'd all be running networks and printing money. But, you know, it, it took a lot of planning to do that. And so now here they are. That part of that planning was partnering with Warner Brothers Discovery, which used to be known as a bunch of other entities but first it was Direct TV, then they changed it to AT&T Sports. It's, it's, it keeps changing names every every six months, which is probably part of the problem with, with branding. Um, the But that was their partner, and they did all the infrastructure for them. So the Mariners didn't have to worry about that. So now 
you know, are you going to want to go into the TV business by yourself and, and, and do that for other sports? Or do you want to simplify things since it's going to be difficult to begin with? Do you want to simplify things by uh, by limiting it to your own in-house broadcast? Uh, or do you want to just get out of the TV business entirely and go under uh, Major League Baseball's umbrella and, and sell yourselves uh, in a national package with a bunch of teams that are linked together? I think everybody's still trying to figure that out right now. Um, but but certainly doing it for multiple sports would probably be more difficult than, than trying to produce their own broadcast. And I say that as a layman who doesn't you know know a thing about running a TV network. Uh, but that's that's what I'm told. Um, the other thing that they could look at, I mean, there's people they could get from their former partnership to serve as consultants to them. People who work for Warner Brothers Discovery in the executive ranks, they could come over and work as consultants for the Mariners to try to help them out. And in fact, I'm told that that Warner Brothers has been trying to point um, point the Mariners in in the right direction. They've done that with all the other deals that they've walked out on in in other markets uh, such as Vegas or Colorado. They've done that as well. They've tried to consult with them. And, and help them kind of transition into the next uh, the next reality that they had to that they had to go to. Do you think they should have seen this coming? Like with how RSNs are starting to trend, we've seen other teams lose them over the last year or two. And these are people that are they're billionaires, right? These are supposed to be really smart business people. They're supposed to be very good at making business decisions. Do you think they should have seen this whole collapse coming well before it started to really happen? I think, in fairness, I think they have seen it coming. Uh, I was writing columns for the the Seattle Times back in 2015, 2016, about, you know, fears that that cord cutters were going to eventually erode the RSN market um, over the next decade. And that's, in fact, what's happened. Here we are almost nine years later, eight, nine years later, uh, and and it's finally come to fruition. I think they've been trying to look at different things. You've seen the Mariners have done experiments on YouTube TV. They've shown games in, in different capacities through streaming. The problem is, and everybody says, oh, yeah, it's simple. Just just have a Root Sports streaming app and voila, your problems are solved. And just do a streaming app strictly for Mariners and Kraken and I'll take it or do it only for the Mariners and I'll take it. Problem is, it's not as easy as people make it sound. It's a very expensive thing to do. And there's no guarantee that there would be enough people in the Seattle market and really, that's that's what you would need is the Seattle market to buy and not, not not the multi-state territory. You really would need the core of people in Seattle to really buy into this thing. There's no guarantee that that would happen, um, especially not at the prices that they were looking at. And I think, you know, they've done it to a limited extent, to a limitedly successful degree in, in Boston with the New England Sports Network. But that's a network that, that's had a longstanding sports tradition, longstanding followers, multiple successful teams on their docket. And, and I can't remember what they were charging. I think it was $20, $30 a month for, for a standalone app. Um, and I know that the Mariners were looking at, at that at one point in, in, in running tests to see whether or not it would that thing could fly in the Seattle market. Um, in all fairness, I think what happened a year ago uh, really did speed things up quite quite dramatically. Uh, not a year ago, it happened ten months ago in February of last year, where where all these bankruptcies started happening and and, and uh, Warner Brothers started walking away. But I, I said earlier in your show, the Mariners have known about this for a year plus, so I, I think they had an inclination that that Warner Brothers was going to start walking away before the official announcement. At least I would hope so. That a partner would hopefully tell uh, it, it, its partners what it was thinking of doing. Uh, and that's why I, I said it from the outside, outset, there was no chance Shohei Otani was ever coming to the Mariners at any point this year. 
regardless of what happened at the All-Star game. And so I think they were well aware of it by then. But but it's like being on a ship with a giant iceberg coming your way, you know, and, and you know you can't steer the ship out of the way in time. You know, what do you do? I, I think they were in a mode uh, in the last year or two, the Mariners probably in a mode where they were just trying to steer the ship enough so they would take a glancing blow and not maybe, maybe have an entire shipwreck happen when the iceberg hit. Uh, it's just one of those things, you know, you, you, you see it coming and, and you're looking for ways out of it. Uh, but, but the answers aren't always there. All that's there is cord cutters, cutting, 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 not wanting to spend what it costs for sports. And we still don't know what the answer is to it. Now, you know, we still know there's a lot of people that don't want to pay for sports, but they also want to watch sports. They want to watch them for free, but that's not how it works. You know, when we had teams on for free 30 years ago, when I was growing up and going to high school and stuff, uh, we saw them once a week, if we were lucky, once, maybe twice a week. We weren't seeing every single game shown for free. And so people are still trying to figure out that model. Okay, so off that, you're you're talking about you don't think the Mariners ever really had any intention to sign Shohei based off what had happened with their TV deal. My follow-up to that is I'm certainly not sitting here saying they're losing no money off everything that's going on around the RSNs. But that being said, I guess I look at teams like the Diamondbacks and the Padres who have lost their TV deals. Padres are top five in payroll. Diamondbacks have added a bunch of players this winter already. And I know you're not covering the Mariners beat anymore, mm-hmm. but do you feel like they truly have no money to spend? Because I guess from where I'm sitting, just as a fan and somebody who does a podcast, it's it's hard for me to believe they truly don't have any resources to spend. No, I mean, that's a very good question. Um, and I will I will fall back on this. So for years, I have written, and you go back, you read my stuff, and, and it's been pretty consistent on this, that sports fans have to be aware of what they're buying into as sports fans. And and what I mean by that is uh, this is exactly why fans should be very hesitant when teams come to them asking for public money, when they come asking them to build a stadium, when they come asking for money to maintain that stadium, uh, and all kinds of other stuff when it comes to public dollars. you got to be very leery of that because those teams are then going to turn around and they're not going to spend any of their own money to make their teams better. They're only going to spend the money that other people give them and that other people make for them. And that's, that's been the way pro sports have operated uh, for, for, for generations now. Um, they will take all the money they can from everybody else. And, and, you know, privately behind the scenes, these teams will, will, will tell each other that that's why we became billionaires in the first place. You know, we're not stupid. We're not going to reach into our own pockets and fund a team when, when, when the going's tough, we're going to get everybody else to do it. And so, I'm not saying the Mariners have done that consistently, but look, they got a stadium that was two thirds subsidized by taxpayers. They've uh, they they then went back and got another uh, hundred million plus commitment from those taxpayers about five years ago to continue the ongoing maintenance of the supposedly public facility that was built, uh, Safeco Field, uh, now T-Mobile Park. Um, the problem is the Mariners have been the ones reaping the, the profitable gains from that ballpark since it was built. It's, it's not the taxpayers that are making that money. And so there, there is this sense in Seattle that the Mariners owe people something, that they owe it to, to themselves to, to reach into their pockets and fund the bill. And we can have that philosophical discussion, and it, it has been held by, by economists, far more sports economists, far, far more intelligent than me when it comes to money. But that, that's at the crux of these things. And so when we look at Seattle, and you've got Chris Hansen wanting to build an arena right next to uh, the ballparks, and he wants $250 million in public bond funding to do it, my first reaction would be to tell people, well, we've got to look and see whether there's an alternative situation where we can commit less, fewer, fewer, I should say, public dollars 
than that. And they did. Lo and behold, they actually uh, they actually looked and they found a, a hockey group that was willing to come in. Uh, sorry, the Oakview group came in and they, they spent $1.15 of private money on it. So we're not on the hook. If the Kraken go belly up, something happened. I mean, taxpayers aren't on the hook for that. Um, you know, in the Mariners' case, it's a much more public trust. And so there's people that believe that, yeah, John Stanton, you know, and all his, his friends who put together are worth uh, probably multiple billions of dollars, should be able to reach into their own pockets and, and fund some stuff uh, and, and when the going gets tough. But that's, that's not how pro sports works. So as fans, you have to be very careful when you're considering big public investitures in pro sports because this is the reality of the situation. Now, that said, if you're running a business, I mean, I've seen the valuation of root sports, you know, by people, again, more intelligent than me saying, uh, you know, I know that for the purposes of their sale a few years back to Stanton's group, I think it was evaluated at, it was valued at 170 million or something like that for the purposes of the sale. Now, that doesn't mean that that's what it's worth. I've heard people say it's worth 300 million. Some have said it's worth even 400 million based on a, a subscriber per subscriber rate. Now, that's gone down clearly because subscribers are logging off of RSNs like nobody's business. But I mean, even if it's a $200 million asset still or a $100 million asset, that's a lot of money to just write off your books. Um, and and that's, that, that's problematic, especially if that's the way you've been funding it. Now, do you want to have a cash call if you're the Mariners and go to all your other owners and say, hey, you know, we told you folks you weren't going to have to reach into your own pockets, but now we need five, 10 million a piece from each of you for this year so that we can fund uh, the, the shortfall in our TV revenue? I don't see that happening. That's just not the way pro sports work. And so fans are upset about that, obviously. Yeah, fans are getting a real education right now about professional sports. This ain't college, folks. This ain't high school. These are professional sports teams. Money is all that matters in professional sports. And so you might think this is how our team should operate. This is why, like, why are they doing this? Why didn't they sign Otani? Why, why are these? Because it's professional sports. You know, and we, we can look at the Padres. Padres did go out and offload a big asset to the New York Yankees uh, just last week because of their situation with their TV shortfalls. Um, when you're talking about baseball, I mean, baseball teams, I can't, I don't know their media rights off the top of my head, but a lot of those teams are bringing in $70 million plus a year in TV money. If that's going out the window, you, you can't just replace that kind of shortfall overnight. It doesn't matter if you're a billionaire. That's a lot of money we're talking about. And so um, I think the Mariners do have something legitimate to complain about here with, with their finances. I think they have something legitimate to be concerned about. Um, that said, and I know I'm talking a lot, but that, there's a lot going through my head here. But, but that said, when they were making a lot of money hand over fist, from the RSN, from Root Sports, you didn't exactly see them jacking payroll up to 200 million plus. So, you know, you take a little bit with a grain of salt. I think they have a reason to be concerned. Uh, could they be overstating their concerns just a little? Look, the history of the Mariners has been to be cautious financially. They've been very cautious uh, as an organization when it comes to uh, fiscal spending. And I think that's been proven year after year with the Forbes valuations and, and the lack of debt load that they've carried. I, I think uh, that's the way they operate. And so now it's being exposed to a point that the fans don't like. And, uh, you know, it's easy for me to tell other people how to spend their money. Uh, and that's the way the Mariners have chosen to do business. Were they making more money before they added on the Blazers and the Kraken on, on Root Sports? I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not privy to their financials. I know they were doing very well. So the best, the, the, the part when they bought their RSN a decade ago, the big sales 
piece of that, the big attraction for baseball teams to own their own RSN is it's a license to print money. And why I say that is because teams typically have to share their, their, all their revenue from media rights with the other major league baseball clubs. It's written in their, uh, in, in their agreement with each other. Uh, and so the difference is when you own your own RSN, as the Mariners do, uh, there's a calculation that's made as to what your media rights are worth. And I can't remember off the top of my head what the Mariners were worth, I, maybe $80 million, something like that. I, I could be wrong about that, but but they, they assign a figure to it. So after that, any money the Mariners make beyond that, uh, they get to keep. And they get to keep it because they just run it through their TV network. They say, no, this is all network expense, network revenue. It's all uh, network generated. It's got nothing to do with our MLB media rights. And so... And that's the way it works. The Yankees make you know hundreds of millions of extra dollars on that kind of stuff through yet through the Yes Network, and so um, that's how you know good teams are able to stay good because spending is not an, an issue for them. And um, and I said teams don't like to spend their own money; they like to spend other people's money. So as long as they're generating it through the network, they got lots of money. So th- it was probably very reasonable to expect the Mariners to have spent more in the years that things were going well. Uh, with Root Sports, definitely uh, uh, up until, uh, yeah, right before probably the cracking came around, right before the pandemic, I should say. And so uh, the pandemic hurt a lot of sports teams because it knocked the content off the air. And so they have to absorb those losses as well when you're the Mariners. So I, I, I couldn't tell you whether they were making more. I would say they were probably making more than when the cracking came on because, uh, you know, the whole landscape around sports changed after the pandemic. So uh, I would say their heyday with the network probably would have been like 2013 through 2019 uh, for the Mariners. But again, that's somebody that's not been privy to any of their private filings or, or discussions or anything like that. But I, I would say things were going pretty well because you did see them lift payroll incrementally throughout that time until they started going in their rebuilding phase. Uh, but they were spending uh, for a while a little bit more, probably not as much as I would have liked or as, as some fans would have liked, but they were spending more. Could it be as simple as them in a year or two years just folding the network and, and liquidating it? Can, can Is it that simple? And do they get any extra money to spend out of that? I, I guess the answer would be who they would uh, – I, I mean, I don't think they would sell it to anybody. I don't know who's in the market right now to buy an RSN because the model's collapsing. So if they fold it, uh, if they don't have any – um, if they don't have any obligations to anybody, if they don't owe people money when they're folding it, if they don't have any long-term um, advertising that's committed to to the platform, uh, th- then I, I guess theoretically they could fold it and they'd be in a better place. Uh, the, the problem is they probably do have some 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 deals that are longer term. Look, the, the big thing I, I would think to cost cut. I mean, if if you were to get the uh, the Kraken off the air and you were to get the uh, the Blazers off your airwaves. That would probably save them a, a lot of money in the short term. Uh, as far as folding it up, how much that would cost, and, and whether they would make any money on that, I, I, you know, I'm not in a position to say. As a layman, my my first thought would be no, because you still have to show your games, right? You still have to make money for your games. So how are you going to make money off your games? Where's your TV revenue going to come from? Are, are you going to jump in with MLB into a, a broader venture, and how much is MLB? going to pay you as opposed to what you could have made before. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know that there's a situation where they would really come out ahead in the short term. I, I would think if it is going to be better for them, it would be a very long-term 
uh, prospect. I don't, I don't see this. If you're asking the question, I don't see the situation resolving itself in the next season or two to the point where uh, all of a sudden they're going to have this, this influx of cash to spend, spend on people. If they're not spending it now, I don't see it being a, situ- a scenario where they're going to have the cash to spend in two years from now. Um, but again, I'm not privy to all these things behind the scenes. This is just me making educated guesses based on what I've seen and based on how they've operated until now. Now, if I can just make another point, when I talk about hockey teams going and, and doing free broadcasts, it's a lot easier for hockey teams to do that. So if you're the if you're the Kraken and you're pulling in, I don't know, let's just say twenty million from Root Sports, can you get close to that through selling on 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 TV? Maybe so. I, I'm told the Vegas Golden Knights had a, a TV deal worth about fourteen million, fifteen, maybe just south of fifteen million. It wasn't a, the greatest TV deal uh, before Warner Brothers walked away. So that's. That that's you know not a huge amount of money compared to a baseball team. So yeah, you could throw your stuff for free on the air and probably get something close to that, or even make more than that. It's different with a baseball team if you're talking about a hundred million in media rights. You know you can't just replicate that overnight by putting your stuff on free TV. That's why this is a very difficult time if you're the Mariners because you have to come up with some solutions. If you don't want to reach into the owner's pocket, which no sports owner really wants to do, you don't want to reach into your own pocket, your own bank account to start funding this, uh, the operations of these things, then you got to figure out a way to make that media rights money back. And, and it's not like you can make, wave a magic wand and have that happen. And this has been, and this is something sports fans have to come to grips with too. Um, you know, it's okay to brag about cord cutting and, oh yeah, I would never pay for this. I'm not, it's so antiquated. They have to figure it out. Well, they're trying to figure it out, but you can't just, like I said, wave a magic wand and create a hundred million a year in, in TV revenue. So you know, cord cutters have played a part in this, uh, they, you know, and, and I, I don't blame them. I'd want to get the cheapest deal I could get, too. But getting that cheap deal and then sp- expecting your baseball team to go out and spend, you know, $500 million on a player for the next 10 years, that doesn't necessarily go hand in hand. And so, you know, a lot of sports fans aren't going to want to hear that. So what I would suggest is if you're going to save your money by cutting the cord and doing all that stuff, stuff that I would I would do as well. Uh, maybe don't brag about it so much and then expect to yell at your sports team when they don't go and get your favorite player afterwards, because these are all real life problems. And and it's not like they're incompatible with each other. They're all very compatible with each other. And one feeds off the next. So baseball has to find now its next revenue generator that's going to sustain them through the next 20 years, because the, the regional sports network thing, I think it's just about run. It's just about hit its uh, apex and it's pretty much going to go away. So based off that last part of your statement there, Jeff, yeah. the last question I have for you is, and maybe you'll just have to take your best guess at this, but how long do you think Root Sports has left? Uh, as long as the Mariners want to keep it going, I would say a year. Uh, I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. I, I mean, I've heard they could be they could be done uh, by the end of next year, and next year is coming up really fast. So I would say, and a, and a year even seems too long, I would say through the next baseball season maybe. They want to, uh, if they want to put the Mariners on the airwaves through their own in-house broadcasts of route, maybe minus the, the basketball team and minus the uh, minus the Kraken. Uh, I, I could see that happening, and then figure out a long-term solution while you're in the process of doing that. That's uh, again, uh, John Stanton though came out and said uh, he told our uh, reporters Ryan Divish and Adam Jude. Last Friday, when they wrote their story, um, he said that he's going to have an answer for some root sports staffers 
about staffing and about lay, possible layoffs by mid-January. So that tells me they're on the, the, the cusp of making a major decision as to how they're going to proceed for the next baseball season. So I, I would think, you know, they're, they're, they're probably wrestling with that question right now. You know, how long do we want to keep this going? How much money is it worth to try to do our own in-house broadcast if we're only going to do it for a year or two? So we'll see. So you're asking my opinion. I'd say I'll give it a year. And then uh, I think root sports might go away. Last thing for me, Jeff, when you were throwing out the 80 million ballpark, 80 million a year for, for major league baseball media rights worth, is it, I think, well, tell me if you've already already mentioned this, but would that number not be a little inflated based on the fact that when these networks were at their peak and the teams are raking in all this cash off of it, like they're making money on sports fans, but they're also making on money on every person who's not a sports fan and who's still paying for the network. And now everyone's realizing, well, I just don't have to pay for that network now. Why would I give give them my money? Is it possible that number is just just artificially inflated and that we're going to see a, a sharp market correction across baseball? Oh, yeah, it's very possible. And, and in fact, when I use the Mariners as an example, saying if you're the Mariners, you have to figure out where that money's going to come from. I'm in no way saying the Mariners are necessarily going to make 100 million or 80 million on media rights in the next year or two, or that they would have kept doing so. I, I think they were at very real risk of making zero, uh, zero dollars in a couple of years if they kept going with the status quo. And so, um, no, obviously, if, if readers are bailing left and right, I mean, there's only so much you can keep jacking up the rates. And in fact, when Comcast Xfinity did put them on their highest tier, the Mariners didn't get any more money for that. Root Sports didn't get it, paid any more money for that. And so, yeah, the viewers are going away and, and, that's uh, that's it's not a good thing. Um, so so yeah, they were going to have to figure out a solution regardless. Uh, because yeah, I think those figures were going to be very inflated. Uh, you know, a year or so down the road, uh, where where they basically bear, probably bore no resemblance to reality uh, after a while. So they were going to have to figure out a solution. But what I'm saying is, you know, a couple of years back when they were making that kind of money, now they got to figure out, you know, how they're going to re- replicate it because. I mean, they sign contracts, they sign players to deals based off of that. And, and we've been writing this for years, for, for a good five to 10 years, that there was going to be this crunch time. And now it's here where teams all over sports are going to have to, they're being going, oh my God, how are we going to ever afford to pay these $100 million players that we've racked up because we thought that, that this TV money was going to be flowing in, uh, you know, forever. Um, no, forever is now here, it's done. Um, and it's now, they're on finite borrowed time when it comes to this. So they're either going to have to reach into their own pockets, their own bank accounts and keep funding it, or they're going to have to find another way for that money to keep rolling in. Well, Jeff, we appreciate you taking some time for us on a game day. I'm sure a very busy day for you at the Kraken uh, at Dallas tonight, but appreciate you taking some time. I'm sure all of our listeners have learned a lot about this root sports situation because of you and we learned a lot as well. So we appreciate you taking some time to join us here today. I appreciate you folks having me. It's a very complicated issue. And I believe me, I don't pretend to have all the answers. And, uh, you know, I don't envy the situation the Mariners are in right now. It's not a, it's not one that any sports team wants to be in. Well, there's certainly a lot to take away from that interview. What of all the things we heard from Jeff stood out to you? Ooh, that, I mean, first off, the, the, it sounds like the business deals with the Kraken and the Trailblazers have been uh, like some of the biz- worst business mistakes you could make a- as the operator of a regional sports network. That's like that's number one. Number two, 
the fact that that might now cause it might be a reason to cause Root Sports Northwest to not exist in a year, not exist. Period. Fold a multi hundred million dollar company to potentially cease to exist in a year because of the current landscape of sports consumption. And how about the fact Jeff also mentioned that he wouldn't be shocked if they don't spend it all in free agency for the next two off seasons, let alone this one. I think that's what stood out to me the most is we think this off season has been pretty disappointing from the start. Is this what it's going to look like for a while moving forward? I did not like the sound of that. And he was, he was, pretty flat out and he said he was never buying any of the Otani stuff he knew uh, at the the all-star game when we're sitting there in the crowd and Otani's name is being chanted and everyone's getting so excited and Jeff knowing all of this is like what it like I, I will caution you of getting excited for anything just knowing what is coming and the fact that a lot of this has been known about for years a lot of the financials and the future of how this is all trending has been known for years and just the fact that as soon as like two years from now we like the Mariners don't even know how they're going to broadcast their games period yeah can they just sign Jorge Soler we need something positive to talk about like something there's been so much negativity in this offseason I just want to hop on one of these podcasts and be excited about something I like like, like I said this to you before we even did the interview. This is what I'm about to say has nothing to do with Jeff because Jeff was fantastic. Again, he was very, very informative. He knew he knows about as much as anybody about this stuff. But I also hate at the same time we had to do this interview at this point in the offseason because all I wanted to talk about this winter is how can the Mariners sign some impact guys and marquee free agents to make this team better. And instead, we're sitting here talking about the intricacies of a TV sports deal. I, I, I hate it. Jeff also brought off one more really good point that I think I will finish here with. He made it a point to say, like, listen to talking to fans, like you want to see your sports team. You're going to have to pay whether you walk through the gate at T-Mobile Park or you want to watch them on television. Somehow you're going to have to pay to watch them because that's how the business works. And that's how a lot of the most successful teams have worked getting Enormous TV deals with lots of cable subscribers on top of enormous amounts of gate revenue. I'm talking about the Yankees, Dodgers, Mets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Large, large brands. And and saying for, for Mariners fans, like part of the financial slump of all of this is there not being a, a, enough demand for the Mariners, the Mariners product itself to to sustain through paying people people wanting to pay for cable subscriptions wanting to pay for tickets wanting to like help provide other options where if root sports wanted to go to like a digital only strategy they had built up this this fan base of people willing to pay money to watch the mariners and pay a direct fee directly to them to watch well that's not only like so i'm just thinking of it in that case and 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 to go balance on the other side of this, it's like, well, Mariners fans also now realizing have never had the equity built within them to want to do that. And thinking of the potential repercussions of 47 years of this coming back around and smacking the Mariners. One of the Mariners have been an ideal franchise for the first 45 years of their existence. They spent a bunch of money. They invested in growing multi 
multi-level generations of fans time after time after time, and they captured entire region and made themselves a can't-miss product. But instead, Lyle, they've done the exact opposite, and they've given people no reason to cling on to the thing that made them the most money, which is a cable subscription to Root Sports Northwest. And now the other options, people would be like, no, I'm probably good, probably good now. And now it has all come around into a whirlwind of financial freefall. I'll say it again. Can they just sign Jorge Soler? From everything we just heard from <laughs> Jeff, it doesn't sound like they're going to do that if it's really going to be a somewhat substantial cost. But I, I'm just tired of talking about all this stuff. All I want to have is some positivity and hear how, again, with a team that still won 88 games last year and wasn't all that far off. In fact, they were one game off from getting into the playoffs. Why they can continue to build on that. Not about why everything's falling apart. I just, again, this is, this is draining me. It's tiring me out. The gap between the top teams in baseball and the Mariners of baseball is going to grow larger and larger and larger by the year. I think that's my final thought here. It's a sad thought, but it's probably not an untrue thought. So we'll leave it at that. Let's speak some positivity into existence. Hopefully there's something much more upbeat to talk about on Friday and something that can get everybody in a better mood. But. We still do appreciate the time Jeff gave us to be as informative as he was and give us all the information he did. So with that, that'll just about wrap up this edition of the Marine Layer Podcast. You guys know the drill. You want to listen to the full-form podcast, you can do so wherever you get your audio pods. And if you do that, make sure to download our episodes, leave us a five-star review, follow the show. Those reviews and the downloads do help us out a bunch. Watch on YouTube, go like, comment, subscribe over there, full video podcast. And follow us on social media on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube Shorts, at Marine Layer Pod. That's TJ. I'm Lyle. As always, we thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>